Hey everyone, welcome to episode 302 of This Is Whole Life. And before we get started this morning, I want to thank everyone who came out last week and uh, at church and through text messages, phone calls. Just let me know how much they enjoyed my daughters Ellie and Emily last week during our No Barriers worship service. Because it and last week's podcast, of course, I'm a proud father, but I'm also proud of the conversations that we have each each week here on the podcast. So thank you to each who took the time to voice that appreciation and your support. Uh, it was very, very much appreciated. And before I forget, here's to my one of my favorite left-handed homies, Nathaniel Reyes. I am so sorry that I forgot to mention you in my left-handed troop last week. And <laughs> I got in the car. We carpool a lot on uh, Saturday mornings before we head to church super early. And he was like, really loved the podcast. He's like, you know who else is a really cool and super awesome left-handed person? He's like, me. And I was like, did I forget <laughs> Nathaniel? So sorry, Nathaniel. It, uh, you are one of my favorite people, left-handed or right-handed. But anyway... Ken, you started with a history lesson this past week, which I thought was interesting, and it was, as you predicted, I didn't know any of it. I had never— Well, you're welcome. I'm happy I, to— I had never heard about the, the, the Battle of Guam, and just like to help us understand the type of gratitude and appreciation people have when somebody does something extremely significant for them. And this was the Americans came and and liberated and you know people just don't forget about those kinds of things. Yeah. You said you love to talk to Guam, so I first off wanted to start off and say, did you have another you know another little tidbit that you didn't use on on Saturday about Guam that you just wanted to throw in there, or did you use it all? Oh man, no, I, I could keep going all well. All day I, long. I figured, so I was like, let's just start off with a little more Guam. First, I, so let's just start off with a big half a day to all of our uh, you know. Guam listeners, you may be out there. They could be. So the half a day is saying hello in, in Guam. Okay. So that's how you would start that off. So that's that's one tidbit to Send start off with. Send us a half with. a day text. Yeah. And uh, one of the uh, fascinating things is, is the uh, Western world's discovery of Guam. Okay. I believe Magellan was the uh, culprit who uh, <laughs> who uh, did that. Um, that and, Magellan. Yeah, that guy. Anyway, so – but like most things that happen uh, when – he showed up to uh, showed up late and and and, and discovered, <laughs> discovered discovered. I'm putting that in yeah, air yeah. quotes for those of you who can't who can't see what I'm doing because uh, it is a podcast. Um, it, he uh, he had a, a big kind of misunderstanding uh, with the folks on Guam to start off with, and so he actually wound up uh, naming the the island. Uh, he actually Magellan actually uh, wound up. Naming the island Isla Ladrones. Ladrones, okay. How's your Spanish? Not good. Neither is mine. I know I, for the, all of our Spanish-speaking folks out there, they're rolling their eyes. They probably have a vague <laughs> idea of what I was saying, but it's like, oh, my word. But uh, basically, he named it the Island of Thieves. Um, oh, he, he, uh, a happy place. Again, Magellan happened upon Guam in about 1521. And 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 what happens, he comes into the um, – off the coast of Guam, and and the natives come out to uh, to welcome him. They're they're excited to see him. They've never seen a ship like that, and sure, yeah. They come on board and they take everything that isn't <laughs> nailed down with them, and uh, and to the point where Magellan is very unfriendly with them, uh, and uh, kind of starts shooting at them, and they they scurry off with half of. <laughs> It's they just surprise. wanted him to stay for a while. Well, that's it, you know. But no, what what was what's interesting in this? This will often happen in our societies that we don't often take into consideration other people's cultures and the way they do things. And that's what mm. was going on with Magellan. Magellan's a guest. He shows up, not on his <laughs> island, <laughs> no. and um, and the Chamorros when they come out, they take stuff because in Chamorro culture, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours oh. is if you're not using it i'm welcome to use it and if you're when you need it you just come back and come back get and it, it. Yeah, and yeah. It's, that's cool too <laughs> and you know magellan was free to go on the island take so anything. really they did want him to stay a while. they did they did yeah. you know he, he anyway so he named it the island of thieves even though that really wasn't fair um he's the guest showing up and um he just he, he could have literally gone on the island walked into any of the you know homes there and taken what yeah. he wanted to and that would have been okay it's all cool you know what's mine and it's it's a much more open society and to this day Guam has a very very giving um side of it I'll never forget we uh we were in the middle of a typhoon or I should say in the middle of a typhoon we had a big typhoon on the island and 
the power and the water to my house were off and the the, the water was out i want to say for two-ish weeks and then oh, wow. the uh power was out for i want to say two months so it was it was a while and what was incredible to me was that about a week into this my my boss my my boss her uh, electricity came back on and she um she said hey ken you and rochelle want to move in with me now you got to keep in mind she was living in a uh two maybe two bedroom apartment it wasn't a huge space yeah uh and i said oh that's that's really nice of you but uh, <laughs> you know we can't do that you know no. white culture yeah, yeah no, that, that would be appropriate and she said look Howley, which is a derogatory term for white people there. <laughs> she said, I've asked you. I'm going to be insulted if you say no. Uh, I really mean it. I would, wow. I would like for you to come and stay with me and, you know, stay here. I know you guys don't have power and water, and this is the way we do things around here. If I have something that you don't have, you come, and you, come, you yeah. do. I, I expect you to do that. I want you to do that, and, and it's absolutely fine. We wound up staying with her, I want to say, for hmm, – for several weeks, wow, and um, never was put out. Never, never got that Never, family. never came back later on and was like, "Hey, you owe me" or something. It was, it was just a, "Hey, I have you don't let me help you out." And that was one of the things I loved about about the culture there. It was a very uh, you could uh, they would have fiestas. Um, uh, there's a, there's always some sort of party going on on Guam somewhere, <laughs> and you could if you're driving past it on the island, you're welcome just to pull over, get out, and just you don't have to know the people. They're thrilled that you just came and, and start sit down and start eating their food. So, par- the so party crashing is encouraged. Yeah, I mean, can you just imagine having a party for oh, your kid way. and just you know a car pulls up and everybody gets out mm-hmm. of the car and they come and eat with you mm-hmm. and just, just but that's the way it is. A lot of that's the way wow. it is there. It's like hey, if it's a party and I want to stop and eat. They love it. That's crazy. Isn't well, that cool? I can see why. Well, that's. I was hoping you had a few more because I have no end. Just so you know, I can. Well, I can go <laughs> most of the rest of the morning. So we probably ought to, you know, keep moving on, right? Well, and because when you were talking about Guam, and you're like, I love talking about Guam, mm-hmm. and then you said, I really like love talking <laughs> about Guam, and the look in your eyes. You know, there's something about history that you have with something yeah. that when people look in your eyes, they know you're serious and they yeah. feel like just from that st- that story alone, the way that you were like embraced in, even yeah. in not just a time of trouble, but over those t- over the times that you were there. And then you start to get a better context about what we're talking about mm-hmm. in how we hope that when people look at us go, man, when they talk about Jesus, take a look at this. This, yeah. this person is like pretty serious about Jesus. And, Great yeah, application, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I know it's like about when Jesus. Some, yeah, when something has transformed your life um, or made your life significantly better, you love to talk about <laughs> it. And that was the thing for me. Guam was a very transformational place for me. It's, it's where I feel like I grew up a lot. It's not like I got done growing up there, but it was, <laughs> I, it was kind of the beginning of, of some – good growth that needed to happen in my life and then you know and so like you said when when you when you're in a in a place like that you love to talk about it. and hopefully hopefully for sure if we love Jesus we can't help talk about how he's changed our life and the difference he makes in our life and it's it's you know like i said if you have a restaurant you love if you have a person that you love a sports team yeah uh, you usually don't have a hard time finding things to tell people about it <laughs> um and uh so yeah, even if they happen to close while you were supposed to be there to do your podcast, whatever we still talk good yeah, about them. Of course, That's, we're still going to go. By the way, can I just say uh, yeah. for those of you who are listening to this, when Randy said good morning, uh, he this <laughs> we normally uh, <laughs> record this thing right around four did in I say the good afternoon. Morning? You did, yeah, I did. You, yeah, you that's total habit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're here in the studio at seven a.m. because I have a full schedule. Randy has, has a full, full schedule, schedule, and so here we are at seven a.m. We, we didn't even tell Jeff. Jeff we didn't no. even tell Jeff that this was happening. We're like, we're not going to do that to him. He needs his beauty sleep, so we're going to let him. You know, we're you gonna let want, him have it. You get a week off, Jeff. We'll see you next week. <laughs> well, as we get into this this series about the Ten Commandments, and I'm I'm completely intrigued because, uh, as I've mentioned before, when we did the love series, I'm like, how in the world are we going to pull nine 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 messages out of this First yeah. Corinthians thirteen? And Hopefully so, it was a little easier to wrap your mind around the eleven part series on the Ten Commandments. You could see how there well, could be yeah, that there, one, there could be like 
at least 10, right? He was just, I figured you're just setting us up to knock us all down one at a time all the way through. <laughs> so I figured we're, I figured we're going to be good on this. I, yeah. I kind of have an idea now where yeah. we're going, but that's still a lot of messages to talk about one at a time, right? right. And, and to go through each one of them. So there has to be more there that we, we should learn or we should review and mm-hmm. make sure that we're at least as a family, we're on the same tracks, going the same direction with how we, we think about it or pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you gave us two verses for context, and you started out with Exodus 20, verse 2. I'm the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. And I love what you, it was shortly after that you you said, is it because God is trying to say to us, remember, 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 and if you don't want to go back to where you were, and if you don't want to go back to where, oh, and if you don't want to go back to where you were, here are some rules that will keep you free. Is he also trying to say to us and them, look, I didn't bring you out of slavery to make you slaves again. I brought you out of slavery to make you free. And if you want to be free, here are 10 rules that will help you remain free. God isn't trying to restrict us. He's actually trying to free us. He's trying to make our lives better. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's true. And... It makes complete sense, and yet it doesn't always feel like mm-hmm. when we're when we're kind of tough on ourselves, like, well, God's trying to make me free, so I should probably just, you know, that doesn't seem that's yeah. not my that's not my initial thought press process. I mean, and I don't think it was theirs either, or he wouldn't have had to basically say what he had to say to them. What is it about us that goes? Every time there's a rule, we have to look at it either from a now is this rule good for me? How could this rule how could this rule be bad for me? Yeah. We never think about how could this rule be really good in my life? Or at least I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but for me it's never like, oh, rules, awesome. Yeah. Well, what is this gonna do for me? I can't wait to find out. It yeah. usually means I'm lesser of something that I wanted. Yeah. So is that I mean, is that just a human, just a natural human? Or is it just we have to think of ourselves as, or is it just worth as? Andy? Oh, as humans, we hate we hate rules, right? Yeah, we hate but rules. I mean, and why can't we? But why can't we see, like, especially when it's God, right? Yeah. It's, it's not your mom telling yeah. you that you have to go to bed at you know nine o'clock. Well, the the thing I would tell you, I was when I first started pastoring, I had a two church district, and the two churches were about uh, thirty minutes apart if you drove <laughs> the the right speed limit, yeah. right? <laughs> And, uh, and Ken's record I, was. I, yeah, my record was 18 minutes, <laughs> um, just to be clear. Maybe it might have even been 16. I can't remember yeah, it at this awesome. point. But anyway, but it was it was quick. And I was actually, because I would actually preach at one church, and then I would preach at the other church. So I had to get over. I had to kind of move quickly from so, one church to the other. So two messages on, in the morning is not, that's this isn't new In for the you. same place, it's wonderful. <laughs> well, I, well, there's <laughs> that. Having yeah. to drive 30 minutes to get to your next place to <laughs> preach. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Anyway, so with this, what happened, I was, I was, I would, I would write, put the pedal down and really move. And there's some country roads on the way there. And I, I can make some pretty good time. And I was actually uh, bragging about, uh, about my, my, my ability to get there quickly. And the next uh, week I got pulled over. <laughs> did you take it? Oh, I did. I oh, got a good man. one too. It was, it was not the guy, the guy was like, this is what I got you at. And um, I said, yeah, that. That sounds good. <laughs> and he started laughing. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I just, you know what I mean. <laughs> you should have seen me five said, minutes I ago. I said, I just want to say thank you. And he was like, I don't usually get thanked for giving these kind of tickets. And I was like, well, hey, man. And he was, he was like, well, I'm going to be nice to you. And I put it on there that you can go to traffic school and get this thing completely oh, nice. squashed. So you don't even have to pay the fine. You just have to pay for traffic school, which was actually a little cheaper than, than <laughs> the fine. <laughs> and I uh, wasn't grateful to have to pay that. But what I tell that to tell you that what was interesting to me is when I went to traffic school, one of the things that they told us is that there's a direct correlation between the number of tickets that are issued and the number of traffic fatalities. And they showed us the graph. And you can see the years that they that they churn out a lot of tickets, the the, the traffic fatalities drop drastically. Wow! And the years where they're lenient and they don't give out very many tickets, the fatalities go go way up. And it's kind of sobering to see that graph and to sure. see. 
the correlation because I hate getting tickets and I hate I to me speed limits really should just be a suggestion. I don't yeah. think that they're I don't enjoy them. I don't think there's but to see that but to see what happens when when police actually issue tickets and how it cuts down on fatalities it takes you it stops you for a minute you think okay so maybe these speed limits aren't as as terrible as i think they are because i i'm a capable driver and maybe they actually do have a good point and purpose to them and maybe giving tickets out isn't as mean <laughs> as it feels like when you're getting that ticket <laughs> And I think that we sometimes kind of approach the Ten Commandments in that same way, and and not just God, the Ten Commandments, but just God's rules and regulations yeah, and the things that yeah. He hands out. We tend to look at it and we see it in its negative as as opposed to in its life saving form. Yeah. And and I think that we can talk about that. But the reason I focused on the gratitude angle of it is because honestly, if you haven't, if you don't have gratitude to God, if you don't really think that God's done anything for you then talking about saving your life, talking about that doesn't make as much sense if if you don't have that context. And so for me, I wanted to focus in on this last sermon on the fact that God has brought us out of slavery. And just like the Chamorros were grateful for being liberated by the United States military to the point that they have a high enlistment rate, they have the highest veteran uh, you know, population in, in any of the U.S. states or territories— you know, when you see that, it, it gives you an idea that sometimes when we're grateful, we don't. It's not a burden to give back and to do things that are meaningful and difficult. Being a being in the military is not an easy thing. Yeah. No, so enlisting sure. and doing that sort of thing—that's just not. You don't just do that to do it. Um, and there's sacrifice involved in that, and that's something that the Chamorro people have embraced and encouraged and. And do they they enlist because they believe that the military freed them, and they believe in what the U.S. does with its military. And whether you believe in that or not is, yeah. is kind of a little immaterial. Right. So yeah. The point is that they do. Yeah. They they see what the military did for them and the right. difference it made in their in their um, island and in their lives, and so it matters to them. And so I think that if we feel like we've been liberated by God, if we've been brought out of slavery then what that will do is it will change the way that we approach the things that God asks of us. We realize that when he's asking things, that it's not doing it um, because he hates us. He's doing it because he loves us, and there's yeah. a good reason behind it, If we, even when we don't really always understand it. Yeah. I'm going to jump a little ahead because I, I want to catch what you're saying here. In you, another verse we used was Luke 7:47. I tell you her sins, and they are many. Have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Jesus' words there. So what what you're saying here is is there, like you said, the Chamorros they see this, and to them they see this liberation. And as we see Jesus' liberation, it, it does bring that and and hold it dear. Like I do, I, I want to make sure other people know about this. This is like paying it forward in a way. But in that, and I've heard people interpret that. That verse, are we saying that a person who is forgiven for their many sins are at an advantage over others whose sins are few and needed to be forgiven little when it comes to showing Jesus love? Because people get, and I myself, I've, I've often gotten hung up on that and thinking like, well, you know, um, maybe, maybe someone has an advantage or um, I've even been told that I have an advantage because of my, my past <laughs> the way I've lived in years past, because if you if you're still a Christian, and when you tell them why, because Jesus <laughs> Jesus completely saved me from who I was, then it's like, well, then you you have an advantage. You have a you've got a great story. You've got all these things, and you're like, yeah, but you also got the baggage that goes with this. And so maybe you know maybe it's not all. And then I guess I hate to use the word fair, but that's sometimes, of course, how we look at it. And maybe it's not fair. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, I th I really am glad you bring this up because here's the, here's the issue. Um, the issue is we tend to look at people who have, quote unquote, lived a very sinful life. And we think, well, look at that. Of course, they're grateful because why? <laughs> why I mean, wouldn't they and I, I want to be grateful too, but should I go out and do some crazy <laughs> stuff so I can be grateful yeah, as well? Yeah. 
And I think what we really missed the point on is that each one of us are equally sinful in God's eyes, yeah. and and we all have been uh, forgiven. You know, this is something that I, I had to work through in, in my relationship with my brother. My brother uh, lived a pretty openly problematic life for a number of years. And what really struck home for me later on was that um, that while he lived a very openly problematic life, I lived a pretty problematic life privately. I just never really got caught, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I de- and so what I tended to do is minimize what I what my problems had been, mm. and and magnify what his problems had been, and and even for those of you out there who have never quote unquote, done anything really bad, uh, you know, you haven't, you know, done anything terrible. The fact of the matter is, is that each one of us, um, each one of us, if we really take the time to take what uh, they would, they would call in uh, the narcotics anonymous or AA um, or SA sexual uh, uh, anonymous, uh, sex addicts anonymous, in any of those anonymous programs, uh, you know, they they could talk about taking a fearless moral <laughs> yeah. inventory. And the fact of the matter is, is I think it's a shame that we we leave that just to people who are acknowledging that they're addicts in one way or another, and yeah. we don't, as Christians, on a regular basis, take a f- regular basis take a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Because when we do. Uh, we can see that we do some things that are are pretty not okay. Um, yeah. There's you know there's the there's dishonesty. Um, there's that we're we're not completely truthful to make an advantage for ourselves. There's the parts where we take advantage of other people in other in in other countries in other ways because of the way that we purchase and buy things here in the United States. There's um, there's a million different things that we could really look at yeah, if we're gonna that, drill from down the to way it. that we yeah. talk, the way we interact with our spouse, the way that we interact with our children, the way that we interact with our parents um, or don't interact. There's a lot of things for us to look at in the way that we go about doing things where we're not living the way that God would have us love. love. Yeah, no, and, for sure. And, and that's so – for me, that's where – when Jesus was talking to these two people, Simon's thought, "Well, I'm way better off than this woman. I, I'm a I'm a much better person than she is." And Jesus was really trying to make the point: is the only difference between the two of you is that she actually recognizes how much she's been forgiven, <laughs> and you don't. Um, and, yeah. And really, for those of us out there who who may struggle with that, this is a this is a call for you and me to really stop and really take that fearless moral inventory and say, "Yeah, you know what? God has forgiven me a lot." He has um, a lot of patience for for the bumbling person that I am, and and so it's it wasn't that that this woman had been forgiven more than Simon. Uh, God forgives what we ask for forgiveness for. When we don't ask for forgiveness, it, it you know, then you're not you're not getting you're not, that forgiveness. Yeah. And so th- the question is, are you willing to actually go into that deep place where you really truly take a look at at how much God has forgiven you? Uh, and and again, there's nothing. Uh, this is not to wallow in it. It's not, oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm yeah, awful. Yeah. This, that, or another. Rather, this is just a chance to say, "Hey, look at how good God is. Look at how much He's done for me," and to be grateful for it, and to the point where you want to talk about talk it. Talk about it. But see, then what you just said there, you, when you don't want to wallow in it, you want to acknowledge it. And you know, there's so much of the. <laughs> just baked into Christianity. I can't think of a better way to put it that it seems like no matter what denomination you're in, if you talk to someone who's a you know Baptist or a Lutheran or, or whoever you find, it's always that, well, yeah, but I got to be a little bit better. And of course we want to work on ourselves. We want to be better. And But we're not really good at humans as saying, yeah, I need to be better, but we already know we can't be any better. Right. We, we need Jesus. And we always end up somewhere on like the like the wheel of sin where, you know, spin that wheel and, you know, see, uh, oh, adultery, that's a bad one. Yeah. Or, you know, gossip, well, that's not so bad because we don't see that one all the time. I mean, I heard that 
Ken told right. somebody that he did it, but I, mean, I don't know that Ken did it, so I can't really, yeah. What am I going to do? Go tell Ken that I heard? And how am I gossiping yeah. for doing, you know? And we, we get those, and then it makes the right, if you're on the edge of one of those people like, like her, you're like, man, I don't stack up. Yeah. And then God can't possibly, that's a balancing beam yeah. that I'm not sure, I wish I was, be, well, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of people that wish they were better at that, but. The good news is, is that we're all equally sinful in God's eyes, right? And, the, mm-hmm. and so the bad news is that we often want to stack ourselves up next to other people. And so we're like, <laughs> well, let's see let's see what kind of sinner I am. Well, I'm not as bad as this person, but oh, wow, I'm way worse than that person. Um, the only person you need to stack yourself up next to is Jesus Christ. And when you see Jesus— Then we all stink. Then we all, we all have a lot that we could do better. And, and, you know, you're right. I think that so many times with, like, gossip and some of these other, the you know, sometimes the little dishonesties, we don't really count those. We look at them and we think, well, that's not really hurting anybody, and yet it does. Gossip yeah. is a killer. Oof. It kills relationships. And sin is, uh, you know, as I'm going to define, it's always a broken relationship. It's yeah. a broken relationship with God. It's a broken relationship with, with those around us. And so if that's what sin is, then— you know, then gossip's a real killer, and there, you'll see that's a reason. There's a reason why it's it's put into one of into into the the worst of categories, and yet yeah. we dress it up by praying for people. Yeah. Oh, you really need to pray for Ken. You know, <laughs> I heard that he blah blah blah. So let's be sure to pray for him. Yeah. And 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 you know, that's not me saying we shouldn't pray for people. But my no, question yeah, is, are sure. we are we are we <laughs> gossiping about them? Is is prayer the pretext for gossip, or is is prayer the reason we're going to pray for them for real? That might and be something the legit, we have to think about. That might be the legit question to to ask in many ways because I feel like social media is almost already like you know in a in some form it's gospel gospel. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's ever gospel. Maybe on Saturday mornings at nine, uh, nine thirty and 11 or at 12. Yeah, if you're watching a streaming uh, event. If you're watching yeah. a whole life, uh, whole life church live stream, but uh, like, it's almost gossip because, you know, there's a lot of things that get shared that people kind of, yeah, I, I, I kind of knew about that. Oh, but I didn't know about that. Hmm. And, you know, whose permission did, you know, ha- does everybody have or, and it just seems like it's super easy to share it can even start off super like, yeah, man, I, I did you hear? Yeah. I mean, do you know if that's true or not? Because if that's true, we should be doing more than praying. We should be doing something about yeah. it. But then there's always that part that's like, oh, where's the tipping point of, oh, Ken, uh, I don't know if I should be listening or you should be telling me this. That's an awkward conversation to have, too, when you just are like, ah. I think we're past. I think we just broke that the the totter or the teeter, and yeah. we're, we're going to the wrong side. And that's a uh, that's a hard conversation because a lot of times it's like, wow, this is either interesting or I really feel bad for this person if this is true, or you feel yeah. like uh, you don't really want to call somebody out. Oh yeah, like, you don't hey, uh, quit gossiping already. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that is that is one of the things that um, that can be real difficult to 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 say and. Um, gently say to somebody, hey, um, yeah. I don't think we should be talking about this. But I've met some people who are incredibly good at it. Yeah. Um, and it's something I aspire to be better at because uh, I used to work in news. So my wife said I was a professional gossip. gossip so, well, that's kind of, yeah. So I enjoy the news. But uh, but it is one of the things I have to think about is like at what point does this turn to, from and news that I need to know into something that's stuff that I don't need to know that isn't my business and that, mm. that I'm just kind of enjoying the the the, the, the being, a being part in, of, the know, in the know or yeah. or enjoying somebody else's pain. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the mood you're in, sometimes that's not hard to do. Yeah. And it's even worse when you have to tell somebody, like, I just I I really like you and I think of you as a friend, but I need you to like I think we need to not talk for a while. Terms, because I don't yeah. I just don't like what you're what you're saying, and you know, this may be, this all may be true, and you know, your con, if you can find it, it just doesn't, it's just not feeling right, not feeling right. Yeah, and hopefully, then, we give him a little bit of a warning shot before, before we go, we go to, before to we the, say we're not going to talk to you for a while. But you yeah, know, say hey, yeah. can we, can but we? But when it gets it? to yeah. that point, and you're like, that's oh, hard, nuts. Yeah. I want to do this. All right, we have two more verses. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. I love that, and I hate that all at the same time yeah. because I love it because. 
I believe it's true. I believe it, you know, there's there's no doubt that, yeah, if you love me, keep my commandments, and that it's said in love, but there's also another part that's almost like in a relationship where it's like, you know, do this for me, and there will be rewards for you later. Right. So it almost seems... Uh, and you, you mentioned approaching the Ten Commandments from you know our value at Whole Life Church of that we really, really, truly value, which is love, and not that we don't value the others, but love is like the core, mm-hmm. versus earning salvation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the part of the Ten Commandments where so many people that have been kind of marginalized or they're still sitting on the sidelines or they've just gone farther and said, don't don't talk to me about God at all because this is not who I know. How can I believe this about God when the people that claim to be his followers have shown me the least love of anybody? And I just, how do we, how do we get the, how do you, because I, I can see it, but yeah. how do you, how do you put that in this a better is, light. Yeah, this is something that I, I brought up at the very end of second service that that I really wanted to actually make a point of. And so I'm glad we have a little time in the podcast to to make this point. It's really important to know where God gave the Ten Commandments at. He gave it at Mount Sinai. He mm-hmm. did not give it before he brought them out of Egypt. He gave it to them after he brought them out of Egypt. And this becomes significant because a lot of us try to give people the Ten Commandments and God's rules before <laughs> we bring before we allow God to rescue them from slavery. Yeah. We say, keep the Ten Commandments and then you won't yeah. be in slavery. Yeah. And that's not at all what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God brings us out of slavery. He brings us to a place where we're uh, you think about everything that happened to the children of Israel before God handed them the Ten Commandments. They saw all the miraculous signs in Egypt. They were brought out of Egypt by God. They get to the Red Sea. They're trapped. They think they're going to be captured by Pharaoh again. They're taken through the middle of the Red Sea. Then when they're on the other side and Pharaoh's chasing after them, the water's closing in on Pharaoh. And then they make their way to Mount Sinai where God hands down these Ten Commandments and other rules and regulations. And and what I think is important for us as Christians to stop and remember is that handing people a set of rules before they see God's power and love in their life is a backward way of doing things. Yeah. You... um, People need to know that they belong and they're loved and they've been rescued already. It's yeah. not. It has nothing to do with keeping the commandments. The commandments come later because you have been rescued from slavery, and now we want to help you not go back to that. <laughs> and so, yeah. and and these are these are out of love, not out of out of you do this and then you'll be rescued. And so, I I think that that was if we can kind of approach it that way. I think that that really will make a difference. I think we sometimes try to commandment people into a relationship with God, <laughs> and that's that's just not biblical. We don't commandment people. We don't we don't hold up God's law and says, "There, now you know not, not, that you're loved. Yeah. Now you know that why you want to follow God. No, God brings people out of slavery. He transforms them. He he rescues them. He loves them." Before they're keeping the commandments, before, not not before, and this well, is so yeah. important because we we will so often not we will not give people fellowship in the church. We want people to have everything all figured out before we'll baptize them. Yeah, and that's just not biblical. The biblical truth is that God rescues you, and then He starts to grow you and to give you those things, and so. When we start talking about the Ten Commandments, when we start talking about God's rules and regulations, if you haven't been rescued, feel free to tune out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and feel free to come and talk about being rescued. The reason I'm moving it, and, and this is something I think is really crucial for, for everybody to understand, why am I talking about the Ten Commandments? No, we've spent a lot of time talking about what love is, yeah. about the love of God and the, God's grace. We've spent a lot of time, so I'm hoping that—, that I'm talking to a group of people who are ready to hear who this. are ready to yeah. hear this next progression yeah. in in this relationship with God. And if you're not at that point, don't feel discouraged. These again, that's when I when I look at the Ten Commandments, there's nothing discouraging about them. They're exciting. They they actually have a point. There's love in them. It's an it's a neat thing. And, and that's what you're going to hear over the next ten weeks. You're going to hear 
about how amazing God's law is, why it matters, and why it's beautiful, and why it doesn't limit us. It actually gives us greater freedom when yeah. we understand it. And so, uh, you know, Randy, just to to the point that I think you're asking about is that if, if you're feeling discouraged by the rules or God's rules or regulations, take a step back and and ask yourself, how am I and God doing? Because God mm-hmm. didn't give mm-hmm. me the the rules to to shame me. God didn't give me the rules to to break me or hurt me. He gave me these to give me freedom. And so if I'm if I'm feeling overwhelmed by it, maybe it's time to step back and say, is this something God's asking of me, or is this something that I'm putting on myself or somebody yeah. else is putting on me? And we got to be careful with with that because sometimes it does feel overwhelming when God asks us to be a better person than than what we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the good news is is that that God again is the one that wants to transform us. Do we have a part to to take part in that? Yeah, it's in allowing Him to do that. Yeah, and it's it's that's part of our responsibility. But uh, the majority of our responsibility is to allow, just to, to say, hey, I'm open to be transformed, transform me, yeah. change me. I'm open to it. I want to be transformed. And um, and it's amazing when we do that, how God does. And that's one of the transformational things I discovered on Guam is I started asking God to do things the way he wanted to versus what I wanted. Okay. And it was life-changing for me. It's been painful. It's hurt. <laughs> Nobody enjoys you yeah. know character development. Nobody enjoys... You know, the first time you start working out, it doesn't feel particularly good. <laughs> no, uh, no. But when you get into a regular habit, you can feel the benefits of it. So um, same thing with our spiritual life. So, yeah. Well, I, I think we're also at a disadvantage to some degree, or maybe this is just Christianity in general, but I can't tell you how many times I've started a job or met somebody new and they're like, oh, you're, you're Adventist. Oh, well, you're the rule people. You don't dance, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't eat meat, and you you go to church on a weird day. It's a shame we're and, known for what we don't do. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, just so many different times. And I think this is a good I, – I like the fact that we're doing this and in the progression that we're doing it because it makes sense that to – as long as, like you said, the people – like if you're feeling this way or you've, you've been on the outside, you've been ostracized or however your church experience has been, if it hasn't been the greatest, I can relate to you. But also say that the only way that you can know is, again, you kind of have to taste and see that God is good. And through the through this process, if you're not letting the the – the Ten Commandments just almost shadow over you and feel like you're cowering in the shadow of of what is restriction when, like you said, looking at it from a different – and I've never specifically thought, well, this is, this is to give me freedom. And so looking from that, that's a different way to look at it and, and – just because, see, I even I know that there'll be someone that's saying, "Well, I, I know," but when you look at someone that seems to have their life together, I hear that from certain from certain friends, and I'm like, "Well, you think I have my life together?" <laughs> uh, because on the outside, there are things that visibly I don't do anymore, and and there's a lot of things I don't do anymore, privately or or publicly. And if you ask me what my sins are, I'll tell you. I'm I'm a pretty open person. I don't really care if anybody knows for the most part. And so, um, you know, if you're genuinely interested, I've never, I've never been, I've just never been a person. Just give that, Randy a call. Yeah. I've just never been a person that cares like whether or not someone yeah. knew I was sinning. Right. It was just like, Hey, this is who I am and take me or leave me. And that was for a long time. So there were people, Oh no. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's so much more than just, you're looking at just the peripheral and what people can see when it's so much more a heart issue uh-huh. and that getting past it is, it's just such a, it's such a bump. It was for me. It was a huge hill to that I barely made it over. And I just, you know, wanted to send a little encouragement if you're feeling that way, or if somehow you're listening and you know, maybe, I, I maybe, to, maybe you've taken yeah. the long way around. There, it, it's uh, one of the things I hope. To hear from yeah, you. one of the things I hope people come away with from the um, discussion that we're about to have on the Ten Commandments is is that rather than seeing it as a list of don'ts, to see it as a list of a love list of, of wonderful mm. things that, that give us a better life, that a give us life. peace and happiness yeah. and joy. You know, you were talking about, you know, people saying, oh, you're the Adventist. You don't work on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. You don't eat meat. You don't drink. You don't do... 
I would prefer to be known as, oh, you're the Adventist. You're the you're the people who live longer than the average population because you're because of the cool health stuff that you do. You're the people who live a a balanced life because you do take time out Tangle to off, rest yeah. and and be with your family and be with God. Oh, you're the people who have peace. And you're the people yeah. who show grace <laughs> and and are loving to those who aren't loving to you. That that's what I would I would love to be known as that kind of people. That's rather than that you're the don't church yeah. uh, brother, but you you are the, the you are the you are the church that has wonderful things. I'd like those things in my life too. Yeah, and, and because that's what I think. I think that's what it was supposed to be all along. When God gives <laughs> rules, He doesn't. You know, you talk about. The you know the health the health regulations that you see in Leviticus and some of these other places that they were there to help people live longer. That's yeah, not a bad are. thing. No, that's in fact that's quite a good thing. Not only live longer but be healthier in the process. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean that you never get any any terrible disease or anything like that. It just simply means that on average the average person is going to do better and yeah. live longer and be happier. And, and those are the things that matters. attract people. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. And then when you when you make changes and people notice them, it is a seed that has that gets planted in them that they can't deny it. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're just going to go, oh, well, I'm just going to abandon everything I'm doing because I really like what you're doing. Yeah, because it's it's we know it's just usually not that easy. But at the same time they're still thinking and they're still working towards like letting God in, even if they don't know that they're letting God, you know, have a little another crack at, at them. And I think that's why just the little things like to be, oh man, wouldn't it be great to be known as a church that every time there's there's an event happening, there's a church here, you know, just, just being there to help people, yep. bring them water, they're involved in their community and all the things that you mentioned. I mean, that's amazing. So, as we start to wrap it up, we have to hit the last one, 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 16. And I love, this is a trustworthy saying. I, I want to put that into my um, into my vocabulary more and just say when I say something to someone that I want them to remember, this is a trustworthy saying, so don't forget it. Because <laughs> that is the cool, that that I for that, it struck me this week and now I just can't. I just want to walk around and tell people. What I'm about to tell you, it's a trustworthy saying. Just say that to your team. See how that goes for you. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a trustworthy saying. Same. Your father is usually right. And everyone <laughs> should accept <Yeah>. it, <laughs> which is the next phrase. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Jesus, Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they, too, can believe in him and receive eternal life. That makes it sound pretty easy, but I also thought that in a way, that's really all we can control. Mm-hmm. Is you know when we 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 try to control so much, and and you you get busy with even just doing church or doing things that are a positive, what you hope that are a positive impact. We do the podcast, we we stream so that people at home can watch church and 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 worship with us. We. We do outreach ministries. You do all these things, and sometimes you're like, "Man, I am so tired." And you know, is does this really make a difference? And in reality, when you read this, to say, "Yeah, I am the worst sinner of all." If anyone knows God needs God needs or they need God, it's me. And you followed it up shortly. You said, "If you don't have a sin problem, you don't need a savior." And I'm like, "Is there? I mean." Are there Christians that—I mean, I've met Christians that maybe don't act like they have a sin problem sometimes, but I don't know if I've ever met anyone that's just like, no, I'm good, bro. You I, haven't? I got you. I'm done. What, what do you need to know? I got you. You've never met anybody like that? I, I Maybe we—you know, I, I run in different circles yeah. sometimes, and I just—so I'm just—when you said that, it, it, I mean, of course it makes complete sense. If you don't have a sin problem, why would you need to be saved? Yeah. And I'm like, who in the world— comes at if you're a, I don't know and that's just maybe it's because of my where I came from and and growing up Christian and then being gone for so long and coming back but I'm like who doesn't know that they're like they're the most terrible sinner I mean I'm just like <laughs> would I be the one in the room that's like ooh see you didn't mind you didn't mind saying you were a sinner <laughs> yeah I think there are two groups of people on this one I think there's the group of people that have followed the rules their entire life they've done what they were told to do and and they've, they've followed the rules. And, and so they look at their life and they're like, yeah, I know I've got these little things here and there, but I'm not, I'm, 
you know, it's that rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and, and says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, follow these rules. And he says, well, I've done that yeah, since done I'm a that, child. Yeah. So, so there's that group of people. Then the second group of people are the people who have lived a kind of a crazy life here and there. But then what they've done is they've, they've, they've cleaned themselves up. The, yeah. They've started following the rules. They've started doing what they were supposed to do. And the years go by, and they remember that there was a time when they were doing things that they weren't supposed to, but they're grateful for God's grace. That's in the past, and they're living a pretty great life now. And so do I really need Jesus' grace right now? Mm. And so, um, you know, I think I, I've fallen into that camp quite a bit. I grew up following the rules, and then I kind of drifted away on, at a certain point in my life, and then I kind of came back. And so I've kind of congratulated myself on being a pretty decent person. I'm, you know, I could be doing other things with my life, but I've decided to follow what I believe God's asked me to do, which is be a pastor, yeah. and I could be making more money. So, you know, God kind of owes me a little bit, if you know, if I'm being honest with what I really think. Think kind yeah. of God, you know, God, sure. you kind of owe me here because I've <laughs> I've done you some favors, and so when we start falling into that those traps, um, that's where we forget that we that we are the worst of sinners. No matter no matter whether you've followed the the rules all your life, or whether you've fallen away and come back, and now you're doing a great job of following the rules, the the rules aren't what save us. And the fact of the matter is, is that none of us are keeping the rules well enough. <laughs> no. And that's the point that Jesus is going to make and that we'll be talking more about in coming weeks when Jesus starts laying out. You've heard it said that yeah, yeah. that uh, do not commit murder. I tell you, if you hate somebody, Jesus is trying to point out to all – when he starts elevating all these rules, he's trying to take us to a point where we go, okay – I could never keep these rules good right. enough. There's yeah. no matter how well I'm keeping them, I'm not keeping them good enough. And so that's where we need God's grace. That's where we recognize that we are saved and that we are in need of a savior, which by the way is the uh, title of our upcoming sermon, Only One Savior. Mm. Um and that will be the first commandment. Um but but here we are. We are all in need of Jesus. We are all yeah. in need of his grace and what he's done for us, no matter whether we are, um, you know, passed out drunk in an alley somewhere or whether we've never had a drop of alcohol to drink in our life and we are, you know, quote unquote, following all the rules. Um, the point of the rules is not that they save us. The point of the rules actually show us how much we need oh, a yeah. savior and what it looks like to live in beautiful relationship with those around us and with mm. God. And so yeah. those are the things that, that we'll be talking about as we as we move along. I'm excited. I, I, I'm, I am really – sometimes you think, well, man, we're going to do a <laughs> – we're going to do a, a 10-part series on, on the rules at the Ten yeah. Commandments. And Don't invite not, your friends for the next 10 weeks. <laughs> it's right? like it's not safe, not safe. These are the 10 – these are actually the 10 weeks you should invite your friends to church. Yeah. They will actually – I don't. they are not going to get a, a message of judgment or that you're no. a terrible person. This is – and it may actually help them understand God's law in a whole new way that would, could be yeah. transformational for them. Well, I was just going to say to get – sometimes it's just a matter of finding the, the same information – if it comes from love or it comes from a place of if you don't do this, you're going to burn, you know, kind of mentality, it definitely makes a difference on how it's received. And then it definitely gives the Holy Spirit, I believe, a better chance to go, see, it's not as bad as you thought. You believe Ken, right? And like, yeah, who's not going to believe Ken? <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right. So questions from the q and I think we covered them all. And then, of course, second service. We lost power twice, and so I don't remember. I was there in the house, but I don't remember what we got asked or didn't get asked, so I'm pretty sure we got them all. Uh, Jahami did have a comment, said, Love gets stronger in Christ big time, if you believe it. Thanks for the great message today, and I couldn't agree with you more that uh, once you once you believe, and you know, John 3.16 makes it pretty clear that that's the uh, got to believe. Uh, so thank you, as always, for being a contributor. And then one of our Whole Life Reflections asked, do you believe God has forgiven you for all your sins? Are there any sins in your life that won't release to God's grace and transformation? And I just had one question quickly. Some sins seem to take forever to release to God's grace and transformation. Does that mean we aren't letting, like, we're not giving them to him? We're secretly holding on? Or what if we sincerely, as, as we know how to have given everything to him, and the sin is still there? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Too. I'll do it really quick. Yeah. And it, it just comes back to Paul's Paul's words, his grace is sufficient. Mm. 
Either period. Way. In all of those situations, whether you are holding on to something that you know you ought to let go of, but you, you're you and you honestly, there's a lot of times you want to let go of it, but you just can't. You're, yeah. you're holding on to it, and you know you are, or you've released it, and God just hasn't gotten it out of your life yet. And that's where the words that Paul says, his grace is sufficient for you today. And that's, you can rest in Jesus knowing that, that your best is never good enough. (laughs) And that's that's okay because Jesus best is good enough enough. and it covers you. Awesome. That's the answer. See, I knew Ken would have an answer. If you have anything to add, let us know by voicemail or text 407-965-1607. Of course, that line is anonymous or send an email podcast at wholelife.church. And if there was ever a time to ask questions or if your friends have questions, ask your coworkers. And, you know, I don't, maybe they're not believers. Maybe they are. Maybe they're just, you know, hey, we're doing this thing on this. uh, Invite them to watch and to listen. Everything is in the show notes that you need to send to anybody to watch online or to participate and say, do you have any questions about the Ten Commandments? And I would love for us to be flooded with questions on this. That'd be awesome. Because I think, just like Ken said, when you look, what we're going to be looking at in a different way really could be life-changing for someone. And then the our final thoughts are from the closing to Ken's message. He said, truly, when you love God, you will realize that the things he's asked you to do actually make your life easier and they make your life better. It doesn't mean your life is easier because there's so many things that make sense and you know what to do, you know who to go to, you know where to go to and when. And they do make your life better. It doesn't mean it's like totally easy cakewalk, but it does make it easier because there's so much less confusion and there's so much more confidence in who you are allowing to take over and guide. And that was, I just really, that that stuck with me. Uh, so next week, we're, we're st- obviously we're in, this is part two of 11, uh, love at work. Are we? Is that is that the that's the title? That's the kind of the working uh, for the series. For and the then series, next yeah. week is uh, only one Savior. We're talking about the first commandment: Thou shalt have no other gods mm. but me. And so, only one Savior. That one sounds like a command. It doesn't sound like a request. It does. Yeah. Well, that's right. We should talk about it next week. Let's talk about it next week. All right, guys. That's it. I am enjoying this already. Can't wait to uh, get to next week, and we'll see you then. Have a great week. 